What is up, everybody? Welcome to Bench Chatter, the common man's NBA podcast. I'm your host, Colin, here with my co-host, Noah, on this fine Thursday afternoon. Noah, what's going on, baby? What's up? Feeling good? Uh, pretty nice day out today. Uh, feels like we haven't had a Wednesday just like news roundup episode in a while, Colin. Exactly, and that's why we put it on Thursday. You know, keep that streak alive, you know? <laughs> you know, no more news on Wednesdays. You know, we'll, we'll hit you with the surprise episode. That's, that's why we run the news on Thursday. But, dude, there's a lot to talk about here. There is. A lot of, uh, a lot of stuff happened this week, both good and bad. Yeah, mostly, uh, mostly bad. Some big milestones, though, and I think it's all good stuff to talk about as an NBA fan. I mean, you know, no, I, I think there's the concept of, you know, watching basketball games every night, and then there's following the NBA in the reality TV show that it really is. Mm-hmm. And I think that in terms of the Twitter heads, the basketball phenoms that just like to go off and Reddit and maybe don't tune into every single game every single night. This is some great content to talk about. So let's jump in. Um, I think the very first one we got to talk about is one that sucks, like honestly. Um, and that's Jamal Murray going down for the season, tearing his ACL in the final minute of a close game against the Warriors. I, I don't know what else to say other than Jamal Murray is one of my favorite players in the NBA. I think the dude's just electric. He's so fun to watch. Um, the athleticism that he has, it's truly generational. I mean, when I think of just the raw athleticism going to the hoop that he displays, uh, it's it's been said before, it's, it's almost Jordan-esque. We have the play in the Eastern or Maple the Western Jordan. Conference Finals last year. Yeah, we're, he did that up and under on LeBron. Oh. I mean, I, I think that could have been the play of the year last year. Just I, off the top of my head. I don't know what else rivals it. Mm, could be. It could be. Yeah, I like to just throw blanket statements out there <laughs> like that where you don't really have time <laughs> to think, so you just have to agree with me. Yeah, fall right for that one, idiot. <laughs> Yeah, losing Murray is a pretty significant blow for this Denver team, Colin, that since acquiring Aaron Gordon, they've kind of been on a little tear. On a roll. Yeah, and you know, they they got Aaron Gordon, they got JaVale McGee at the trade deadline to help bolster the roster for what the Nuggets expected to be a deep postseason run led by MVP frontrunner Jokic and Jamal Murray. And now with just a little over a month left in the season, Denver being without their second leading scorer and Murray, who was having a breakout season, it's just tough to see them. It's tough to see them moving forward past this con. Um, you know, we're it's a guy's impact like Murray at this point in the season is practically irreplaceable. I mean, without him, guys like Michael Porter Jr. and Aaron Gordon really have to step up if the Nuggets still want to achieve their goals that they probably set before the season. And it sucks even more. You really have to step up. Yeah, and it sucks even more that uh, Jamal Murray's probably going to miss the majority of next season too, which really, I think, really hampers uh, the Nuggets' timeline. You know, they have two more years mm-hmm. before they have to pay Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter Jr. 
And then the year after that, they have to pay um, Nikola Jokic. So it seems really hard. You got to pay him big too. Yeah. So it seems really hard um, to me imagining this team and them all being able to stick together with them when they're losing practically a whole year of no Jamal Murray. It really sucks for the Nuggets. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they really could have probably withstood an injury from anybody but him in Jokic. Obviously, Gordon would have hampered them. Porter Jr. would have hampered them. But I think they still could have gotten through. And it's it's just not going to be the same. Um, he was just so dynamic. He brought that offense to life. I mean, Jokic is really going to have to carry the load offensively now. Um, without, you know, because Jokic is the primary primary distributor but he's not the primary ball handler if that makes sense and I, I think that's a pretty easy idea to digest Jamal is the one bringing the ball up the court he's still setting up the offense despite it running through Jokic and to have to replace that at this point in the season I mean he was averaging 21 4 and 4 uh, it's it's just tough and We'll see what happens with them. I would still love for them to be able to make a run, but you know, you're uh, you're going to Monte Morris as your guy now. Um, yeah, I think they're gonna uh, end up. You... I think they're gonna end up signing Austin Rivers, but I mean, any guy they put out on the court, Con, isn't really replacing what Jamal Murray brings to that team. No. No, and this kills your take that Jokic to win MVP needed Gordon Murray and uh, Porter Jr. to step up. Yeah. Because now Murray stepped down big time. Yeah, now Jokic is going to put up monster numbers. Uh, You know, he's probably going to win the MVP, but what does that mean if you can't achieve your team goals that you wanted to this season? Yeah, and those guys don't strike me as guys that particularly care about the individual accolades. Obviously, they're awesome, and it's super rewarding, and it comes with a paycheck, but that doesn't really seem where the Nuggets team was at. I think they were really ready to make a run after getting a taste of conference final action. Yeah, it's it's really heartbreaking, man. Like, and it's it's a it's been a weird season too, Con, um, because mm-hmm. Murray actually missed the last previous last four games yeah. before he played in that Warriors game with right knee soreness, and it just seems like, you know, maybe he shouldn't have played in that Warriors game. You know, the, the you you don't really yeah. have any control over the, that, but I think that also no. plays into the like pack schedule. Um, you know, I saw some I saw yeah. something yesterday, Con, about how the Heat and the Grizzlies both have eight games over the next 12 yeah. days and it really it really yeah, makes you think just... about how the nba is packing all these games in at the end of the season now and how it's going to mm-hmm. affect teams and the players and like if you're looking at injuries across rosters uh, i have no data to truly back this up but it seems to be maybe not an all-time high but well above the mean in terms of team suffering from pretty big injuries and you have to assume that it's this packed schedule guys have complained about back-to-backs back-to-backs for years 
I mean, there's a reason that Kawhi Leonard, the whole load management thing. I mean, the Spurs, very famously, Greg Popovich would sit guys during national TV games just because he wanted to give guys built-in rest. You know, he didn't want his superstars playing four games in seven days. That's that's too much when the regular season for the premier teams ultimately does not make that much of a difference in the postseason. So to see guys going down like this at, at such a significant rate, I mean, LeBron, prior to the 2018-19 season, had never really missed time, and he's missed a fairly significant amount of time this year. And, you know, uh, that was kind of a throwaway season for the Lakers. They knew that they weren't doing much, so, you know, he took a lot of that off. But he's sat a lot this back half since the All-Star game. Anthony Davis is barely played this year. You get guys like Embiid who were in all-star contention and have flitted in and out of playing. You know, some of that is due to COVID and, you know, there's not much uh, the schedule can actually do about that portion of it. But yeah, I think that in hindsight, packing 72 games may have been too much, Um, which actually leads to one of the next biggest storylines, Noah which is Luca and Mark Cuban coming out uh, against next year's play-in tournament. Would you like to give uh, some background about what that is going to look like? Yeah, so Luca and Mark Cuban, um, the Mavs are currently 7th in the West right now, Colin. And after mm-hmm. his game on April 12th, Luca said that he didn't really understand the idea of the play-in tournament. He said you play 72 games to get into the playoffs and then maybe you lose two in a row and you're out of the playoffs. He said, I don't see the point of that. And then Mark Cuban was part of the unanimous vote call on improving the NBA's playing tournament. And then he came out on April 13th and said, but the compression of so many games in a so few days makes this an enormous mistake. You know, which I, I, I don't disagree with what Mark Cuban said. Um, I do agree that mm-hmm. this many games packed into so many days is not good for the players, not good for the teams. But, you know, when the NBA was planning this schedule, Colin, um, I feel like they made the playing tournament kind of, they had to cover all their all their scenarios, you know. I think the playing tournament was more of an insurance policy because I don't think the NBA expected every team to play 72 games, if I'm being honest. They didn't really know what the no. impact of COVID was going to be. And how it would affect their schedule. So they kind of had to put it in there. And, you know, there was a joke going around, Colin, that these comments came out the night after Steph dropped 50 points in three quarters. And right <laughs> now the Mavs would have to play the Warriors in the play-in tournament. And uh, they said they said that Luca and Mark Cuban saw that and were like, oh, hell no. And Let's complain about it. Yeah, how do you feel about the play-in tournament, Colin? Is it something that you're looking forward to that you think is a good policy for this well, year? Yeah, no, and I absolutely agree. The NBA had no idea what was going to happen with this season. If you remember at the beginning of the year, you didn't bet on team over-under wins. You bet on team over-under winning percentages because we had no idea. Um, Obviously, the vaccine has come a pretty long ways. I think players are, are really starting to come out in droves in support of it and are getting it, but... That was not a guarantee at the beginning of the year. And it, the playing tournament, it's not something that you can throw in midway through the season and be like, okay, we're having it. It's something that you have to plan 
in advance for so no i don't i don't hate it by any means um i get where luca and cuban are coming from uh it's scary you know watching a, a premier talent like jamal go down like that and looking around locker rooms and just seeing guys hampering all over the place but i i think it serves a purpose at least for this season uh, i think it's going to be exciting i think maybe what they might be forgetting is i think that playing tournament is going to draw a pretty big crowd uh, of viewership and obviously the NBA has been way down in revenue without being able to have full capacity or any capacity uh, depending on the team and state so I think if you can have an audience for those play-in tournaments it will bring in a decent amount of cash flow the NBA front offices are gonna like that and um, yeah yeah it, it, it makes sense to me yeah, do you think they make these comments, Colin, if they're the 10th seed who is getting in, getting a chance to make the playoffs through this play-in <laughs> no, tournament? No, not <laughs> at all. As a Bulls fan, I'm not complaining about it right now, although I don't know how much longer we'll be the 10th seed. I, I foresee us uh, taking quite a steep dive here in the near future, but no, I mean, I've told you this whole time, like, I just want to get to the play-in tournament. Give my Bulls like a, a sense of playoff atmosphere. Whatever that, whatever happens, happens. You know, I don't think that we're gonna make the playoffs at this point. But just being able to have that playoff feel, the do or die, like this is it type of game as a fan, just to root for it and then to get the guys prepped for next season because I think it's it's real deal for the Bulls next season of making a, a real playoff push. And hopefully being able to, I don't know if we'll be able to contend with the big boys, but, you know, have a real rock-solid place in the NBA because we clearly do not right now. And that, Noah, is a phenomenal segue into a different segment that we have to talk about. And that's Zach Levine being out for 10 to 14 days. And, Noah, these bulls are already struggling. To lose your best player, that shit uh, isn't good for us, to say the very least. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the Bulls, Colin, they haven't been playing as well since the acquisition of Vucevic. Yeah. And, you know, they were still building chemistry. I think they were still learning how to play with each other. And this is just a... This is a really big blow to the Bulls rest of the rest of the season. Um, I really don't know what the outlook is on it. Uh, you know, I think the Bulls are going to try their hardest to still make the play-in tournament, but I can't really see them winning very many games, Colin. Um, <clears throat> even with how good Zach Levine has been playing, Colin, he really couldn't afford to just have an average game and the Bulls still be able to win. Um, Zach Levine really was having to play out of his mind just to keep the Bulls in some of these games and I don't really see how they can stay afloat with him missing probably two weeks at the minimum yeah I don't really see it either I mean uh, you look around for places to point the blame the point guard position is uh, I think the easiest place to put it Thomas Sadransky honestly I, I've come around to uh, appreciate him a, a little bit more than I did maybe at the beginning of the season, but uh, 
by no means is is he a starting point guard caliber player. That's just not who he is. He's, I think he's a solid bench point guard. Uh, but having to run an offense through him just has not been productive. Uh, you look at his game logs. Um, in the last uh, two weeks, he's had one game where he scored more than ten points. Uh, he had a, he's had a, two games where he's been able to f- facilitate pretty frequently, um, but he's not a good shooter, which is kind of what the Bulls really do need out of him. He's an okay shooter, but he doesn't get a ton of volume. Uh, he's shooting 35 for 90 from three this year, which is fine. Um, but, yeah, it's it's just going to be tough. Um, I think we really struggle on the defensive end. Markinen has really struggled coming off the bench. I mean, he put up zero points in the game the other day against Memphis. Like, he, you just... You can't do that. He's had four games in a row now where he's scored five points, eight points, zero points, and six points, averaging about 20 minutes. And this was a guy who was getting starting minutes for us at the beginning of the season. He was a starter. Daniel Tyson's looks good, and just about nobody else has. Kobe White, another guy who has seemed to struggle coming off the bench really... I think struggling to figure out what his role is um, because at the beginning of the season, him and Levine worked so cohesively and I really liked what they were doing as a backcourt. Um, and then it just kind of became apparent that maybe Kobe isn't quite ready to have the reins of an NBA offense. Um, but I, I think I got to be honest. No, I like his, what he does on the scoring end of things much better than Sadoransky, and I'm ready to put him back as the one guard in the starting rotation, but we'll see what Billy Donovan can cook up. I, I think it it's going to be pretty tough for us to put anything together that will be meaningful at this point. So are you thinking that the Bulls go out there? They... What's your what's your prediction on how this bull season ends now, Colin? Do you see yourself as a lottery team, or do you see yourself as a team that still makes a play-in tournament? Well, it was uh, keep in mind you can make the play-in tournament and still be a lottery team. Um, but as you referenced earlier, the Wizards are playing some really good basketball. I mean, you have Russell Westbrook and Brad Beal. That's just kind of tough talent to deny. Russ's Brought a worse team to the postseason before. Uh, he's been absolutely balling out recently. Obviously, Brad Beal is one of the premier scorers in the NBA. Uh, the supporting staff, maybe not so much, but I think those two guys alone could maybe get you there. Um, the Raptors, if healthy, could really put something together. I mean, they are a team that has been formidable in the Eastern Conference for about a decade now. Um, this is going to be their first losing season, and I don't even know how long. And Van, v- Van Vliet and Lowry have been missing a consistent amount of games, and they're just one game back of the Bulls right now. So, honestly, no. I don't think that we're going to make the plan tournament at this point. I would love us to, but I see us finishing somewhere around 12th in the Eastern Conference. 
That Wizards team is such a rust team, Colin. They actually have a better record against teams with an above 500 record this season than they do against teams with a below 500 record this season. Why wouldn't they? <laughs> you know, Russ, Russ so gets sense. up for those uh, primetime games. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be really hard for the Bulls to stay afloat. Um you know, maybe maybe miraculously they do play around 500 basketball. These two weeks pass, and Zachavine comes in as the hero and saves the day and helps make the Bulls in the play-in tournament. But more realistically, Colin, I think a year... To call this season a disappointment, I think you could. But I also think the progression we saw out of Zachavine and Patrick Williams and some of the other Bulls players, I, that's still a promising sign that mm-hmm. you guys are getting closer and closer every day to being a competitive force in the East again. And, you know, I guess one more one more uh, high draft pick can't hurt anyone. Yeah, no. No, and it, it can be, especially because the Vooch trade was such a splash. I mean, we're giving up our first-round pick this year in a, a pretty deep draft, and we, we trade for Vooch and rattle off like six straight losses. Then we come back, we win three against some hobbled Nets, Pacers, and Raptors teams, and then rattle off four more losses in a row to go three and ten after trading for a guy who has been a, a two-time All-Star. Yeah, yeah. It's just tough. Ah, uh, man. Couldn't... You know I'm rooting for the Bulls. I hope they do it, Con. I hope uh, I hope Kobe White goes dumbo mode these next couple weeks and gives you something to, to look it. forward to. I'd love to see it. I think it's going to come down to us getting a point guard this offseason, though, which I'm fine with. And then we move from there. Hell yeah! Alrighty, uh, let's go to this storyline because it happened today. Uh. A guy who has been a force in the league for over a decade now, LaMarcus Aldridge, in his 15th season, retires uh, somewhat out of the blue because of an irregular heartbeat in a game last night. Noah, uh, what are just your thoughts about a player of this caliber retiring, especially given the circumstances of what he'd been through this season um yeah it's it was pretty shocking uh when i woke up and saw the news i was proper shocked uh to see that out of the blue when marcus aldridge decided to retire but yeah he said on saturday's game that when the nets played the lakers he experienced an irregular heartbeat during the entire game uh you know which is terrifying uh especially for someone who is in that good of shape as LaMarcus Aldridge, um, for his heart to be irregularly beating is really scary. And he, you know, he said that he was diagnosed with Wolf-Parkinson-White syndrome uh, back in 2007, which is an extra electrical pathway between your heart's upper and lower chambers that cause a rapid heartbeat. So this wasn't something new to LaMarcus Aldridge, but he said he's never experienced... Um, the worst parts of it, like he did over the weekend. Mm-hmm. 
And yeah, that caused him to abruptly retire, uh, which is pretty sad. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge is probably one of my favorite players from the 2000 to 2010s era, Colin. Uh, You know, there aren't many of them left. And I think this kind of... I just I just hope LaMarcus Aldridge gets appreciated for the career he had. Um, you know, newer NBA fans might not know how good LaMarcus Aldridge really was during his Portland days and his um, t- early days in San Antonio. He really was one yeah. of the best back-to-the-basket big men and probably had one of the most cash mid-range shots out of anyone in the league. And it's really, real. it's really scary to think that we, you know, could have lost him if he decide to keep playing or playing. you know just yeah. ignore this and you know Colin I don't I don't really want to see the Nets win the championship this year but now I have a little bit of a reason to see them win uh just to see LaMarcus Aldridge get a ring you know question so he would still get a ring yeah he played enough games he calls he qual he would qualify to get a ring at five games yep interesting all right no I would love for him to get a ring I mean, yeah. So one of the things that I always gloss over, his first season in San Antonio, he borderline led that Spurs team. It was him and Kawhi. It was Duncan's last season. Um, And Ginobili and Parker stuck around for a couple more after that, but were well out of their prime. Led the Spurs to a 67-15 and 15 record. That's, that's one of the best records the NBA has ever seen. <laughs> that was glossed over by the Warriors, who obviously finished 73-9 and nine that season. But that's how good that team was, and he was at the forefront of it. I mean, obviously... Tim Duncan is an all-time great, but he was 39 years old. Kawhi in his prime, LaMarcus in his prime. Yeah. It's just, he was so good for so long. Five All-NBA accolades, I think, is really where you have to go with LaMarcus because that is a Hall of Fame accolade number right there. Five? I mean, you go through the list, and there are many a gentleman in the Hall of Fame who do not have five All-NBAs. Seven-time All-Star, honestly, uh, I would guess that he was snubbed one or two times um, in some of those port- earlier Portland days uh, just because the Trailblazers themselves may have not been getting the recognition that they needed. But, I mean, he led those Trailblazers teams to playoff runs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's one of only 25 players in NBA history, Colin, with 19,000 points and 8,000 career rebounds. I bet I can name all of the other players right now in 35 seconds. All right, go. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge is on that list. Okay. All right, nailed it. Nice. That was actually really easy. I was super quick, Uh, too. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm out here saying. Um... No, it's just, it is sad, because as unfair as some people may have thought it was for him to go to the Nets, uh, it sucks to see a guy go out like this. Yeah. Not really on his own terms. Yeah. And I mean, this is this is a big blow to the Nets, too, Colin, um, who was it a team is. who was a team that already 
didn't have much in terms of quality in their front court. And now when you look at um when you look at them from a playoff perspective, you know, they're probably going to have to go through and beat at some point. Um if they go to the finals and say they meet the Lakers, they have to run up against AD and Andre Drummond at and Andre Drummond at this point. Um yeah, it sucks for Lamarcus Aldridge, it sucks for the Nets and it changes. I think it changes a little bit of the landscape, Colin. I think Lamarcus Aldridge actually was going to help that Nets in their playoff run. Ooh, and, this would be huge. Yeah. Can I read you a stat line in the five games that he played with the Nets? Yeah. Thirteen points, two and a half blocks, two and a half assists, five boards, on effective field goal percentage of fifty-seven percent. Wow. Started all five games, played 26 minutes. Wow. That's... He was... Fuck. Now, I'm just, like... I'm getting sadder the more we talk about this. Yeah, he's a guy... Yeah, I mean, like, Blake Griffin definitely has really regressed. LaMarcus has regressed, but by no means is he a shell of himself as maybe Blake Griffin might be at this point LaMarcus was going to help that team Blake, uh, I don't know Blake's got some real recovering to do Rest in peace Thank you LaMarcus Aldridge for your service It was fun watching you dude If you're listening You think LaMarcus listens? No, I think he's a little bit worried about his heartbeat right now I think he listens. Maybe to the fantasy episodes. Yeah. He's he's probably he's probably got a team. <laughs> uh, I you know. Uh let's end on the most exciting of these storylines that we have on uh the news breaking Wednesday Thursday episode is one Steph Curry. And it's just an awesome moment. He passes Wilt Chamberlain as the all-time scorer for the Warriors franchise. It's honestly insane that he was able to do it. Um, You look at some of the numbers that Wilt was putting up. Took him his entire career up until this point. 11 seasons. But it is done. He's got it. And he deserves it. I mean, he is the best player in Warriors history. Yeah. Uh, he only needed 19 points, Colin, to um, pass Will Chamberlain during that game. And, you know, in typical Steph Curry fashion, he scored 21 in the first quarter, ended the game with 53. Um, it just felt like it was such a feel-good moment. You know, Steph already holds the majority of most of the Golden State Warriors records. Um, he leads the team in all-time assists three-pointers, turnovers, free-throw percentage, and is in top three in games played, minutes, and steals. Um, He's the only two-time MVP in franchise history, and he's only one of the few, very few players that have won three championships with the Warriors. But on Monday, he really really did hit his most significant uh, individual milestone as a Warrior. Uh, You know, Will Chamberlain held that record for over 50 years, and while Chamberlain didn't spend his entire career with the Warriors, he was so dominant there. And no Warrior even really got close to that until now. And, you know, Curry breaking it, I think it's just such a good storyline. And, you know, 
I think this era is kind of defined by player movement, Colin. And Curry Mm -hmm. has became the face of one of the NBA's most historic franchises at this point without ever really seriously considering leaving the team. And I think it makes the fact that he passed Chamberlain and um, that he passed Chamberlain just much more fitting. Um, And now the record belongs to a player who's only ever played for the Warriors and nobody doubts that West or that Steph was the greatest warrior um, of all time, and now that's just cemented in history, really. Yeah. Can I tell you the the craziest part about all this is that Will held the record, and he played five and a half seasons for the that's Warriors. That's nuts. That's not even fair. How many women do you think and, he banged in those five seasons? Um. Well, he averaged four forty-one and a half points, so we'll put that at the over/under. Over easy. He probably did that in like <laughs> a Western Conference road trip. <laughs> I guess that's one record Steph will probably never be breaking. Nah, he's been dating Aisha for like basically like all of college. Were they high school sweethearts? I don't know. Do you remember how like? How viral Riley Curry went during one of those NBA finals. Yeah, she was funny. It doesn't even. Steph has like three kids now. (laughs) I (laughs) didn't even realize it. Yeah, people like kind of forget just because LeBron came up so young and was immediately like the guy, and it took Steph a long time in the NBA to really get going. Uh, before people recognized him as the superstar that he is. But they're three years apart. Wow. Does right? not feel like I three mean, years apart. Feels yeah, like ten well, years or something. Yeah, well, it's crazy because LeBron basically played a decade in the NBA before Steph really became, um, yeah, we could say it, relevant. So... Yeah, I mean, he's he's 32 now. Uh, I'd like to see what else he can do. Um, he's still got some time on his contract. Have you heard the storyline that LeBron has been <laughs> recruiting him to L.A.? Yeah, I'd be recruiting him too if I was LeBron. I'm recruiting him to the Bulls. Do you, do you think Steph Curry is a warrior for life, Colin? Or do you think he plays on another team in a different... Uh, time later down the road. Um, hmm. I think it depends on what the Warriors are up to um, post twenty twenty two. I think if if Clay's back and healthy, if Wiseman develops, um, and they can maybe get another free agent, and honestly, if Clay's back, I, I think that they could be competing. Mm-hmm. Especially if Wiseman can develop as like the shot blocker that we expected him to be out of college, um, and if if he can body up a guy like AD, I could see that team being pretty darn good. Also, like if if, if this is all contingent on Clay coming back and being Clay, yeah, yeah. To me, Steph is a warrior for life um he seems like a very like loyal and family like oriented kind of person but if he does leave Colin, i think the only team he leaves for is to go to the hornets you know where his dad plays where his dad currently calls games 
Um, I think that's, you know, it, it all depends on how the Warriors, what they do and how, what the Hornets do. But I could see Steph maybe leaving to go play in Charlotte at some point. Yeah, maybe. Strictly for the vibes, dude. I don't know. He he doesn't really give me that vibe. Um, hey, it's where he grew know. up. And, and, it is where he grew up. Um, he'd be playing shooting guard. You're not going to put Lamelo at, at shooting guard. But maybe Steph at 36 years old is ready for that. Um... Yeah, maybe, maybe. Not anytime soon, though. I think if, if free agency, because he's a free agent after next season, um, I think he would prefer to go back to the Warriors, maybe to the Lakers. I'd absolutely hate that, but we'll see. Maybe he should. Maybe they should get Clay to go to the Lakers, too. They could use him. Fuck it, throw Draymond in there, too. How do you value Draymond these days? Is Draymond still... I think any team that is close to being a championship contender would willingly take Draymond. But no, like, tanking team that's looking to rebuild is is signing Draymond. He is going to post a career high in assists per game this year. Yeah. Like I, I think that any is... almost any playoff team would want Draymond. Okay, so you still see Draymond is having some pretty immense value as just the all-time do-it-all role player. Yeah, I think um I think he's a pretty good playmaker, um, especially for the big man forward position. Uh, I think that's mm-hmm. valuable enough in itself, and then. You know, he's a leader on defense, um, both in terms of his individual play and his team play. And I think that, paired with his playmaking, is almost good enough for him to play on any team in the league and contribute. Uh, Do you see him as the second best player on the Warriors right now? Oh, right now? Yeah. Easy. Are you sure? Andrew Wiggins. No, is Wiggins is a bum, and so is Oubre. Seven percent this year. Ooh. Okay, imagine if Draymond didn't Ooh. play and Steph did. They're getting destroyed every game. I don't know. You could put Damon Lee in there instead of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Could have put Juan in. Yeah, Juan. Uh, Kevon Looney could be in there. Kevon Looney is a name that a lot of NBA fans are going to know for decades to come. And he, his career average for points right now is four. We take that. He's a, a four points, four boards, one assist guy. What a beast. Right? Hey, but you know what? He makes up for it on the line. He shoots 60%. Ooh, absolute animal. Right? Maybe so, the Bulls should go get him. Honestly, dude. I mean, we could use that. That's what we're looking for. Dude, half a block out of my center? Let's go. Ooh, we. Jeez, dude. 
I didn't realize that we were doing a fantasy episode, but talking about a steal right there, <laughs> go pick him up. Like right now, like literally, just like go pick him up. He'll get you twelve rebounds a week and one and a half blocks on a good week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If he's having a down week, you know, he's getting you just one. We take that. We take that. Already know anything else you got going around the NBA that you feel like we we should touch on, talk about. Uh, I don't think so. I think we covered it all, um, all the relevant news that happened. Uh, but me and Colin will still be making episodes, um, on these upcoming Sundays, you know, getting you guys ready for your fantasy mm-hmm. playoffs if you're not already in them. Uh, so definitely, definitely tune into those Sunday episodes because they're going to be super helpful as we close out the fantasy basketball season. Yeah, especially as you get into the playoffs and, uh, you have less teams maybe competing on the waivers. And, I mean, no need to say it, but the waivers are more important than ever come the playoffs. Um, it's really starting to, to get to a point where you're dropping guys if they are not getting you the biggest of stat lines. You just got to go all out. It just needs to happen. So we're going to talk some playoff strategy because I think there's a little bit different mindset that you might need to take towards managing your roster and... We'll go from there. Sounds good. See you guys on Sunday. See you, fellas.